0: What motivates a track and field star to pursue a career in medicine? How does a series of health setbacks while living in the Philippines strengthen your sense of identity and goals? What's it like to trailblaze your own path to medical school while blocking out discouraging voices? Why should you always shoot your shot even when the odds don't look in your favor during the application cycle? Today on Talking Admissions and Med Student Life, I interview Sei Ali, a first-year medical student here at the University of Utah School of Medicine. Helping you prepare for one of the most rewarding careers in the world. This is Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with your host, the Dean of Admissions at the University of Utah School of Medicine, Dr. Benjamin Chan. Well, welcome to another edition of Talking Admissions and Med Student Life. I got a great guest today, Seali. Mm-hmm. Am I saying your name right? Yeah. Okay. Ciali. I don't <laughs> All right. So Seali, um, current first year med student, about four or five months in.
1: Yeah.
0: How's it going so far?
1: It's good. It's a roller coaster, I guess. It comes in waves where everything feels really good. And then there's like those those moments you're like, why did I do this to myself? Or trying to remember like, why am I here? Why am I putting myself through all this stress? But um, it's really just been like a dream and an opportunity to be here and do something that you feel like, oh, I'm supposed to be here.
0: Yeah. I think it's hard for people because, you know, people have an image of what med school looks like, but not until you actually are in med school. It's like, oh, okay, now you're living the dream, as it were. Well, what's been the biggest surprise so far?
1: <sighs> um, This is, like, kind of random, but just, like, how cool my classmates, like, just how nice they are because the pre-med world is, like, a really kind of ugly competitive world so then like you get to med school and you're like wow like everyone's actually really nice and i'm really helpful and i think i was like really intimidated like coming into med school but like i actually feel like oh well like my classmates are awesome and they want to help me so Mm
0: -hmm. perfect all right let's go let's jump into the dr chan time machine let's go back (laughs) in time so siali how how old were you when you started thinking about medical school how did that how did that dream how did that idea first enter
1: yeah so my background like my mother is a home health hospice nurse and so like when I I was like elementary school age um, after dance practice or Saturdays my mom would take me to like go with her to visit her patients especially like those who didn't have a lot of family nearby she would take me over and visit and so like seeing my mother as a nurse um, and seeing the connection she had with people, helping people heal. From like a young age, I was like, I want to go into medicine. And I didn't know exactly like what that looked like. But like looking back on like down my road, like my path, like I felt like it's always kind of pointed to like medical and being a doctor is like the way that I felt like I could fulfill a deeper purpose of what i wanted to do with my life and stuff
0: so it sounds like it wasn't like one aha moment it was like a series of moments yeah Yeah.
1: lots of series of moments Mm -hmm. um yeah i grew up my mom is a nurse uh my dad is a contractor like he works construction work and so like and he's from the island so i've seen kind of like this like what it's like to live in a medical world what it's like to not live in a medical world and saw lots of um things with my dad's family that I was like, okay, there's, there's a big need for help here. And um, while serving in LDS Mission, I got, um, I had some experiences with getting sick and real, like my experience with the medical f- our world there is a, it's a lot different than in the U.S. And so um, just lots of like small experiences where I was like, okay, that's, being a doctor is like the way to go
0: now a lot to unpack there you said your dad's from the island yeah which island is this
1: my dad is from Tonga he was born and raised there he came to the U.S. when he was 18 um had some family in Utah so he came to Utah um around then and has and then met my mom a few years later and they got married and, <laughs> and they picked Utah <laughs> and they picked Utah to, to raise yeah. you okay. to raise me. my mother is from New Mexico she um she is like Hispanic, and Native American. Grew up between the Indian Pueblos. Actually, came to BYU for undergrad, and that's where she met my dad. And they decided Utah was maybe not halfway in between Tonga and New Mexico, but mm-hmm. a good spot. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: So, yeah. did you get to visit Tonga and New Mexico growing up? Or, yeah. did, you, or did you just kind of, did you kind of stay in Utah? No, I okay.
1: spent my summers in New Mexico. Mm-hmm. Um, went to Tonga a few times growing up. But, yeah, I spent a lot of time, like, with my family outside of Utah, and mm-hmm. it was really good for me.
0: Mm-hmm. How did it feel to kind of exist in these different worlds, be someone who has a background in these different worlds?
1: Yeah, I mean, when you're, like, a kid, you have no idea, like, your life is not, like, a lot. Like, growing up in Utah County, being surrounded by, like, predominantly white, like, I never realized, like, Like, I knew uh, my friends always made jokes, like, you're the brown friend or whatever. But, like, it didn't, like, really occur to me. And I think I always try to conform or, like, act like I was like them. And these experiences of, like, having a mom of, like, a really mixed background in New Mexico with a world that is totally different than Utah and a dad who is Pacific. Like, I didn't know everything was so different until, like, I probably got to high school and I was seeing, like, oh, your family, like... Doesn't do that like that's not a thing, or it's or like just having conversations with some of my friends growing up, like wow, we have really different experiences, and it became a lot more evident during my undergrad, and mm-hmm. that like I had grown up with a really different background than a lot of people around
0: here mm-hmm. so. Going back to high school, mm-hmm. um, and you also like so you had a dream about becoming a doctor, but I also you were doing a lot of sports, yeah, too. So, what was your sport in high school? What was like what was the thing that you just excelled at?
1: So, originally, I did competitive dance, I started that when I was in elementary school, yeah. Um, did competitive dance until I was a sophomore in high school. Um, at the time, I was on a really competitive dance team over I don't know, like 30 hours a week. I was spending all my time at the stand studio. It was really expensive. Um, but I'd also always done really well in sports. I'd done track and field, like the school track meets, the Hershey track meet growing up. I always did re- perform really well in those and did well in like gym class. And so when I was in eighth grade, the high school track and field coach approached me and he told me he'd like me to come to the high school rather than do the junior high team because I'd been doing the junior high team.
0: You were just dominating the yeah. junior high kids. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it
1: yeah. was. Re- yeah, that's really what it was. Yeah. I was doing re- really well, and he said, "Like, I think you really have like a a gift, and I think you should like come up for it." And so I was pretty open to it, but I told him, you know, like dance is like my first love, and I'm I'm gonna be a dancer and all these things. But then. Um, He invited me up, and then, I mean, I I didn't dominate as a freshman. I probably got dominated over, but um, it was a really good experience, and I was still competitive at a young age, and he sat me down. During my sophomore year, I was trying to juggle this, like, really competitive dance team. I had done volleyball my freshman year, but my sophomore year, I decided to quit and focus on dance and track, and during my sophomore track season, I had, like, a really successful track season despite being so busy with dance and trying to balance it out and my high school coach sat me down and he said look this can this can pay for your like school in the mm-hmm. future this can like you can go somewhere Track you have something. so you
0: you were really great even that young it sounds like yeah you were just smoking people you're just well, you, were, you were fast
1: i and i did like the heptathlon and i think a lot of my dance background had helped like i knew how to control my body i could jump i could I had, like, good running mechanics for hurdles, like, and stuff. And so a lot of really random things. And my dad had done track back in Tonga. My mom had done hurdles in high school. And so Ah. I actually felt like genetically it was kind of, Mm. like, in my...
0: And your parents would construct, like, obstacle courses in your home when you were little. (laughs) Go, Siali, run fast. They were training you. Yeah,
1: Yeah. I mean, I grew up... So, like, on my dad's side of the family, there's... I think six of us the same age, and I'm the only girl, and the rest are all boys. And so, like, I grew up running outside with the boys, and like, they never took it easy on me. And so, like, I just felt like I always grew up like playing outside, running around, like really active and stuff. And I felt like that played a big role in pursuing track and field. Is just my background of that.
0: Now, talking about the college piece, like. Is Does it work in the world of track and field where, like, the coaches come and recruit you and kind of watch you? Yeah. Or do you send them – I know this is – do you send them tape or mm-hmm. – I mean, how does that work?
1: So I I always wanted to go to BYU. Okay. Um. And so since I was so close, I grew up 20 minutes away from BYU, and my coach had sent other people to BYU. He had a really good relationship with the BYU coach. Um, I was talking with him. He sent out to, like – I had other – um, coaches approached me when I was a junior like local schools um, UVU, SEU, um, Utah State but my two main choices were the U and BYU mm. like no matter what and my coach knew that from the beginning and so he did well so I had um, BYU coaches like watching me probably like my whole career going up to that like leading up to college and then um, the Utah coaches like they were around too and I came up here and did a recruiting trip with them and stuff, and so I, yeah, I always wanted to stay in Utah, and, but my mom is BYU alumni, so I knew, like, really that's where, like, my heart where I wanted okay. to
0: go. So, it sounds like you committed, mm-hmm. and... You did track and field. Yeah. what was your event?
1: So originally I did the heptathlon, which is seven events, hurdles, high jump, shot put, javelin, 200, 800. It's a little bit of everything. Mm -hmm. So that was like in high school, that's what I did. That's what I did my freshman year. And then I tore my ACL my freshman year, like midway through my indoor season. And so it kind of threw me for a loop on what I was going to do. And... Um, the surgery went well, physical therapy, everything, like, went pretty well with recovering. But during my freshman year and even my sophomore year, the throws coach at BYU had approached me and he told me, you know, you just have the build for a hammer thrower. And I didn't even know, like, what the hammer th-
0: throw like, was. Like Thor. Yeah, like Thor, yeah.
1: And <laughs> I've seen was, this in the movies. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
1: I didn't even know what it was, and I was kind of being closed-minded, like, well, I really like the heptathlon. And um, he told me, like, I think you should try it. And I, like, I just, I was being pretty stubborn about it. Like, I already have seven other events. I'm not going to try to throw, like, one more event into the mix. Um, but then i noticed when i was coming back my sophomore year like hurdling just like was not the same and like running mechanics like i could still like while i was healed i was doing physical therapy i just like i didn't feel the same mm-hmm. and so i sat down with the the multis coach the heptathlete coach um and we talked about this other hammer throw and she said you know like why don't you like as you're continuing to heal why don't you like learn this event let's see how it goes and like We'll revisit, like, I want you to just sh- give it a try because I think she was feeling the same thing. Like, maybe she could be really good. You can give it a try and we'll revisit everything, like, at the end of the season. And I was like, okay. Um, started doing that. And it was, like, it was okay. It wasn't, like, super stellar, I don't feel like. Um, but then by that time I decided I wanted to serve an LDS mission. Mm-hmm. And so um, I actually left, like, pretty quickly I hadn't even really talked to my coaches about it because I didn't want like what they had to say to like determine or like to play into my decision of whether or not I was going to go and so
0: so before we talk about your mission like what is a typical day for an for you <laughs> I mean like how what, like what time are you getting up in the morning when was practice how do you balance class because yeah. like I've had I've had a lot of friends and other med students tell me who've done college athletics it's like a job it's like yeah. a full-time job and it's really, it's extremely difficult. Yeah, yeah. it's it's a job. So what, what does a typical day look like? I mean, you
1: wake up, so like, gosh, you wake up, um, it depends, but typically practice some 30 or 8, mm-hmm. go to practice for a couple of hours, and then go to class. So let's say I practice from 8 to 10 and then I would go to class from like 10 to 1 and then one I'd have lifting one thirty to 3 30 or 4 30 and then after that either have more classes or you go back to study and so and then especially like when I started getting into research then it's like every hour I have it's during like my time in undergrad I was either running to practice I was running up to the research lab or I was going to class or trying to study in the library and it's Yeah, it's really like a job. I mean, they're investing time and money in a spot for you. Like, a lot of people want to be in your position, and so they control what you eat. We would do these, like, these things called bod pods where they would check your um, BMI and your muscle, like, your percentage of body fat, and they're talking about what you're eating, and they, like, they have a big saying, like, what you're eating and how you perform, like, determines whether you travel or not, and um so that it's hard cuz you you want to do well and you want to perform well and like that's how you get to travel and get to compete but then mm-hmm. when you're a student like they say like student athlete so student always comes before athlete but sometimes you don't feel that way you're an athlete student you're an athlete student yeah. and so like that can be and some people that's their dream and like that's what's important to them but mm-hmm. i knew from like the beginning like i got to do well in school if i want to like there's a life beyond college yeah, athletics. Yeah, because so. <laughs> like
0: I I, 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 don't know too much about this world you're talking about. But mm-hmm. like, I, I mean, what's the next logical step if you go with this? I mean, is it is it the Olympics? I mean, did some of your did, did some of your peers? Yeah. is that, is that what kind they're aspiring to? Yeah, That next level. Okay. Yeah, right.
1: so people, some people like people on our team have become professionals. You know, in their event. Like my coach'es, while well, he coaches, he's also like a professional thrower for Sweden. He's um And, like, some of my classmates, or, like, they just become professional runners, so they, like, want to make a career out of it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But, like, I I never felt like I wanted to make a career. Like, mm-hmm. it'd be nice if the road lets the Olympics, but that wasn't ever, like, my goal. But you kind of, like, need to have that mindset, like, if I wanted to go there, I could. Or you want to be the best athlete you can be. Yeah. And so, yeah, it, it like, it, it takes, a, it's your job plus more. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's talk about the mission.
1: hmm
0: Hard decision? Easy decision?
1: Oh, really hard. Really hard. Yeah, really hard. Um, being a female, it's like, if I go later, you know, like, where is that going to put me with dating or with school? Like, I was really concerned, like, you know, if I leave for a year and a half, like, this road is already long that I'm looking at. So mm-hmm. this is just going to push it back out, stretch it so much further. But, um, and, like, with track, too, that was, like, a big thing, like, with track, like... You know you're not going to do anything for a year and a half like you're going to lose everything that you've worked for in a way and mm-hmm. you're going to come back and start from the beginning but um i just really felt like that was what i needed to do like with where i was at with like finding myself finding my identity um that was something like that was really important to me i didn't have any pressure like from my parents or anything my Mom is a convert and my dad's not a member of the LDS church and so like they were kind of like you know like whatever you want to do like they they wanted me to go and they were supportive but like it was never like you need to go or anything and so but like I felt like to become the person that I wanted to be I, I think that was mm-hmm. a way that I felt like it would get me there
0: So you opened your call and where'd you go, where'd you go?
1: I served in the Philippines. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> my dad was excited. Okay. Uh <laughs> Like, my dad, growing up in Tonga, in the islands, he wanted—he really wanted me to go somewhere that was um, third world, um, where poverty was a real thing.
0: So were you in, like, Manila, or were you out kind of in the the islands? I was out in the islands. Okay. Yeah,
1: I served in the outer islands, um, in the mountain—and the the Filipino word is bukid, which means mountain. But, yeah, I served in the outer islands— very far from the city.
0: What was the language you learned? Because I know there's a bunch of languages. Yeah, yeah.
1: I learned Hiligaynon and cebuano oh, Okay. Yeah. Picked up two languages. Picked you... up two languages. Um, and, like, I can I can understand a lot of Tagalog, which is their main language. But um, picked up those. Like, I'm still pretty fluent in both. Well, I'm fluent in those two languages, and I can get by on Tagalog.
0: So this entire time, um, you know, at BYU. How, how long were you at BYU before you left for your mission? Two years. So two years at BYU doing a lot of athletics mm-hmm. serving a mission where is this dream of becoming a doctor is is it kind of fading is it is it stronger did you see something on your mission that made it a lot stronger yeah,
1: yeah. i went to so at byu uh, my dream started to kind of fade mm-hmm. i got kind of discouraged like i think it said the pre med world is kind of an ugly scary world Um, and so, and like those general chemistry classes just kind of scare you. And so I was like, maybe I'm not supposed to be a doctor. Mm -hmm. Like the, it kind of like discouraged me. And so, um, and I've always been like good at math and my grandpa's an accountant. So I was like, maybe I should consider accounting. I don't know. Um, so when I left on my mission, I said, you know, I'm going to have like an open mind and I'm going to think I have a year and a half to like think about it. And so, like, I'm just going to open my mind, think about different things while I'm out here, and um, hopefully, like, while I'm finding myself, like, it, like I figure out, too. And so... But um, while I was on my mission, I saw a lot of really, like, sick people um, who just, like, didn't have any access to it, whether it was money, they lived in the middle of nowhere, or maybe a combination of both. Um, I saw, like, some things that, like, really bothered me, and then I also got sick on remission um, had dengue fever. I had, like, different things happen, like my stomach Dang, was... Dang! Yeah. You got the dengue! Yeah, yeah. I got the dengue! <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, my stomach was always hurting. Uh-huh. I... I probably had the flu, and I'd strip, I'd pink eye. I kind of went through. You it lost all. a lot of weight. Yeah, yeah I lost muscle weight. Muscle mass. Yeah. I, muscle mass. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Like I was, it was funny. Like everyone thought I'd get tan because I was always walking outside, but I was really pale and ghostly looking in all my pictures, mm-hmm. and so I'm sure I was deficient of all sorts of nutrients. But and so during that time, I I said, okay, whatever career like I want to do, it's I've got to like be with people, I've got to help people, and it, like, I kept seeing these people, people with T V, seeing babies with measles, like, all sorts of little things, like, they couldn't even get treated for, like, and that really just, like, bothered me. But, like, as a missionary, that's not your job, like, mm-hmm. to take care or address medical needs. Um, you're you're doing other things. And so while this was happening, it, it, like, kept coming to my mind, and I would bring it up to, like, your you have companions. And so I'd talk to them about it, talk to my mom. And then I realized, like, during that time, I was like, maybe, like, I want to do something within the medical field. But I don't know, like, I don't know if I'm going to be competitive enough. Like, when I get back to BYU to be, like, a doctor, so like, I was thinking, okay, there's PA school. There's other ways, like, to do medical. Mm-hmm. But I knew, like, on my mission, okay, like, I want to do medicine. Seeing all these people who didn't have...
0: So you came back, you had that fire. Yeah. Okay.
1: Had a lot of fire, came home. I actually didn't register for like that first semester of classes while I was on my mission I was like came home and I was like you know I'm gonna do all the pre-med I'm just gonna I'm gonna take anatomy I'm gonna do physics physics lab and it was already like two or three days into the semester and I like walked into the count like the advisor's office and I was like okay like I signed up for these classes and she was like "Whoa, whoa whoa like you just got back like these cl- this is like a really hard schedule. I don't know if you're gonna be able to like handle this and mm-hmm. stuff. And but then I I just felt like like I said I just had this fire. I was like I'm like I'm gonna do it. And and then like so I ended up doing like a bunch of really tough classes yeah. that like first semester I got back. But then I did anatomy, and I just like fell in love with it. And I did really well and I loved it. And like then it was like kind of another like okay this is this you're supposed to do something with this. And so. Um, that was like another piece, and I took the. There's like a pre-med like advisement class, and then I was thinking about it, and I was like, okay, like I I can do this. Mm-hmm.
0: Did you have a, a mentor or a role model during this time, or were you just kind of on your own?
1: Because uh, you don't. Because yeah. you know,
0: your mom has a healthcare background, yeah. but like,
1: it's it's different. It's
0: different. Yeah. So, it was, well, did you do, you do you understand what I'm saying? Like, did you have someone? to help you out during this time
1: originally no Mm -hmm. um a lot of and like even some of my like the my we have an an academic advisor for track and like there's a pre-med advisor and then like one within your own college and all of them were kind of like well not super encouraging and stuff and so I, I felt like I was kind of on my own. Like a lot of them tried to talk me into switching my major to mm. exercise science because apparently if you're an athlete, you have to do exercise science, and <laughs> that's the route they all take. So everyone needs to do it and mm. stuff. Or the the major I ended up choosing was is like a longer major, and they were like, "Well, you could graduate and stuff earlier if you did these other majors." But I was like, "No, like physiology. This is like that's what I want to do. That's what I like." And so like. While I was, like, doing this, I felt like I was on my own, but then randomly I was asked to speak on this um, Polynesian student-athlete panel at BYU, Mm -hmm. and I said, you know, I'm pre-med, like, I want to go to med school, and it's really important for me to get back to the Polynesian community. And while I was speaking, there happened to be um, a Hawaiian um, doctor. She actually came here for med school, but she was in the crowd listening to me, and so after that, I had this random student, like, a few months later come up to me and said, Dr. Al has been looking for you. And I was <laughs> like, who's Dr. Al? <laughs> who's this person? Yeah, who's yeah. this person? And she's, like, gave me um, this do- this physician's, like, email address and contact info and said, she's been looking for you. Like, she wants you to email her. Mm. And so I was like, oh, this is kind of random or weird, but I'm here for it. Like, this is good. And so I emailed her and... She was like, Oh, like, I just, I wanted you to know, like, there, you know, like, there are Polynesian female doc, Like, we're here. There's, you know, like, I'm just one of a few, but I want to help you. And so she's invited me to come shadow her, and she connected me to all the other people I ended up shadowing. That's
0: beautiful.
1: Yeah, and she helped me, like, through the whole application process, like, when I applied, I was, like, considering not applying. And she she called me and she said, let's go to dinner. And she took me out to dinner. And she, like, gave me all the reasons, like, why I should apply and stuff. And so and I'm so grateful I listened to her because it worked out. But she's she she was she's been, like, my mentor throughout this whole process.
0: Sounds like she made a huge difference. Oh,
1: yeah. yeah. I feel like I wouldn't be here without her. So. <laughs>
0: uh-huh. so, Ciali, like, going back to the application process, what was your strategy? Were you going... M.D. and D.O., how many schools did you look at? Were you looking out-of-state, in-state? I mean, what was kind of your what was kind of your strategy?
1: Okay, so originally, I was like, after taking that pre-med class, I heard, you know, that people apply 15 to 30 schools when they apply. They, both M.D. and D.O. are both great options. Um, and so I, I had a really open mind, but the way everything played out with track um, and other things going on with family and stuff, I— um, It wasn't going to work out really for me to take the MCAT until, like, closer to when I was graduating. So I knew I was going to have to take, like, some sort of gap year. Um, And then I was originally planning to take the MCAT in June. Um, Like, I was going to graduate in August, and I was like, okay, I'll take the MCAT in June. Um, And then I ended up getting into, like, an MCAT program here at the U, that like they pay for a prep course and stuff, and so I was like, well, if they're gonna do a course, and I'm, I'll just like postpone like when I take the MCAT, and so I ended up waiting to take the MCAT until late August. I, um, and so then at that point I knew like, okay, that's not good because you're like applications have been open since then in May or June or whatever, and you're like you haven't even taken the MCAT yet and stuff, and so then I'd be like real with myself, okay. I'm not going to get my scores, MCAT scores, until the end of September. And so then originally I was like, I don't even know if I'm going to apply. And so I ended up, I got my scores back. And then I was like, you know, like, I don't think I'm going to apply. It's just so late. Um, and I, I really wasn't that happy with my MCAT score. And I was like, okay. I'm probably not going to apply. And like when I told my parents that, they like my dad called me and he sat me down. He's like, you have nothing to lose. Like mm-hmm. you have there's money and stuff. But like you should at least apply to a couple of schools.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I get was, some reps in, get some reps in yeah. like and that's Maybe what my mom said. Yeah, yeah. Like you go ahead and go for it and then you'll get some like feedback on like what to improve and stuff. And then but I was still like I just like I don't know. I was feeling like really not confident in myself and so I told Dr. Al the same thing. Like I said, she called me, she took me to dinner, and she sat me down and said all the reasons, like, why you should just apply and go for it. And she told me, pick a handful of schools that you, like, really want to go to. Like, don't waste your money trying to apply to 15 schools because, you know, at this point, like, you're not mm-hmm. going to get too in. Late the cycle. It's yeah. too late in yeah. the cycle. Yeah. And so I picked a handful of schools um, here because I'm from, yeah, I wanted to stay in Utah, University of New- UNM. Um, because that's where my mom is from mm-hmm. and then university of Hawaii, that's where my husband is from and then university of Arizona. Um, and so, but I knew like going into it, like, it's probably the odds are probably not in your favor. And so I was really open-minded. Um, cause like originally I was like, I'll apply to all MD and DO schools and you go where you get in. Mm-hmm. And so I was taking the cycle. I was like, "This is a cycle to learn." And like, if you get in, you get in. and If you don't, like, it's okay. And we try again next year. And so, applied to those handful of schools and ended up getting in the waitlist here. And then it worked out. Like,
0: well, well, before here. we talk about yeah. that, so, so interview offers from other schools.
1: Um, waitlist for the University of Arizona, but that was it. Okay. The rest, like. I I was just too late. Okay. You said. So, so
0: you gotta interview here, yeah. Obviously. Yeah. So I love I love asking this question. Yeah. So before your interview day here. Yeah. Because obviously you've ran a lot of important meets. Mm-hmm. Meets, right? Matches? Yeah, yeah. What, what do you call meats. them? No, meats. That's, meats. 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 Okay. that's
1: exactly right. Yeah. You eat
0: meat, you run meets. Okay. <laughs> um, like that that anxiety, performance anxiety, what yeah. was more stress provoking? Interviewing for med school or that really, really important meet? <laughs> And then, like, Um, what's your trick for, like, calming your nerves? Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: No, it was a really similar feeling. So, like, even after all those years, I still got, like, after all those years of dance and track, like, I still would get nervous before meets. like, but I had gotten pretty good at, like, um, staying calm, and then it's usually, like, the morning of that I felt really stressed and stuff. And so, yeah, going into this, I was just like, wow, I'm so grateful, like, I'm getting an interview at the end. Yeah, playing with house money. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and, yeah, so I was really happy. Um, and so I felt pretty good about it. The day before, I was, it was funny. I was, like, looking over possible questions, and I was, like, practicing with my husband. And I, I was kind of like, I don't know, like, what they're going to ask me. Mm-hmm. I've never done it med school interviews. so I don't know. Like, I felt really, like, um out of advantage. But I, I was like, you know, like, if it, here we go. Like, I've done a lot of things like this. Then that morning, we actually stayed up here in Salt Lake. I woke up at, like, 4 because I was just, like, so nervous, mm-hmm. I guess, and anxious. And, like, going through things in my head and um, got here at the school, like, an hour early just because I don't want to be late. And so I was just really anxious and nervous. Um, but overall, like, it, it's, yeah, it felt like a lot like a meet, like, performance time. Like, when I was there, like, I was, my I could feel, like, my heart coming out of my chest. and. Mm. I was nervous, but then, like, once I started talking, then I was like, you can do this. Like, you're okay. Mm-hmm. Just be yourself.
0: And obviously, and then you you did well. You did great. Yeah. Because then on the wait list, mm-hmm. and then I remember calling you, and I remember you were very serene <laughs> about it. You did seem so excited. Yeah. So sometimes I can kind of gauge, like... Because I can't tell if you have other offers. Like, you know, sometimes, yeah. like, like oh, I think I might be going somewhere else. She didn't yeah. seem so excited. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So, I, I don't know. That was my perspective yeah. on that. I don't know what you remember about
1: More that More like dude. shock. Okay, so yeah. shock.
0: That, that's the word we're looking <laughs> yeah, for. Maybe yeah, maybe shock, really. Okay.
1: So, I was at, it was really random. I was at, um, like, a, I did this program. It's called HEFY. It's, like, a nonprofit that takes high groups of high school kids down to different countries around the world to do service or humanitarian work. And so they do like a training for that. And so I was at this training and then I like saw someone from Salt Lake was calling, but like there's so many scam phone yep, calls. Yep, yep. And so I just like and I was sitting in the training and then um, so I just like didn't answer it. And then I like clicked the voicemail thing when it like transcribes like the words for it because I was like, oh, they left a voicemail. And then all of a sudden I saw like Doctor Chan from the University of Utah and I like stopped and I was like Oh my gosh that <laughs> was calling and so then like my heart started beating So then I was like in the middle though of like like a bunch of people I was like this I don't know if I should like walk out. Like this is the middle of someone's talking, like I don't wanna be rude and so I was like, Okay, I'll wait for this speaker to finish and then I'll like leave and the boy that was like sitting next to me, he's pre-med too, and he was like are you kidding me? Go out and call back. Mm-hmm. And he was like, you should go. And so then I went out and you were like in a meeting or something. Mm-hmm. And so she told me you would like call me back when you had the chance. So I remember just like being nervous and I was like, I don't want to get my hopes up. But like, I don't I know why. think it's why. a good phone call. Yeah. Probably I not think a bad it's a phone, phone call.
0: Yeah. Like,
1: yeah. And so I think I was just like in shock. Like, cause like I said, I really went into this cycle open-minded. Like it's likely it won't work out. But if, you know, and so, just a like, oh, wow, it, like, it did. I was, yeah, shocked, really.
0: So, Siali, um, you know, the last few minutes, um, and this has been great, like, what would you say to someone out there who is listening, who is thinking about medical school, or is unsure? Like, what message do you want to convey? What advice would you give?
1: Honestly, like, you can do it, really. <laughs> <laughs> That's really, like... You can do it, and, like, after coming, like, even though my mom's, like, a nurse, but, like, growing up and not seeing, like, physicians who look like me, or just, like, feeling like, oh, I can't do it, like, because it can be discouraging and stuff, like, but you can do it, and it's, I mean, it's not going to be easy, and some people, it takes, like, several cycles, like, hearing my classmates' stories, but, like, it's really inspired me, like, if someone really wants to do it, like, if you put the work into it, you can do it, Mm -hmm. and things are going to work out the way they're supposed to.
0: Are you in a place in your life? Can you be the Dr. Ow for someone out there who's listening? I mean, what would you say to someone from a Pacific Island community who may not have a champion? Uh, Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, Yeah, that's,
1: that's like, what's really important to me because I feel like I'm the product of, like, a lot of people who've sacrificed, like, and given so, like, I could be in this spot. And so, like, that's something, like, it's really important for me to give back because I feel like I wouldn't be here without, like... All those people without Dr. I, without my parents, without, like, the generations of people who came before me. And so that's, like, a big thing. Like, I want to be, like, an advocate for, especially for Pacific Islanders. Like, when they see, like, when people in my church group or, like, my nieces and nephews, like, when they see, when I become a physician, like, I want them to think, like, oh, I can do that, too. Mm -hmm. Like, someone who looks like me, who understands me, who comes from a background, like, if they can do it, like, so can I. And so, like, I I know being a physician, it's, like, a hard and scary road, but, like, if that's where your heart is, like, mm-hmm. I really think it's going to work out one way or another, so.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm so glad you're here, and I, I'm so excited to watch you grow into a doctor over the next few years, and, and I, yeah, I, I just think there's going to be so much opportunity for you to give back and for others to reach out to you and for you to... Um, fulfill your dream because I I know you've worked so hard on it and so and I'm glad you got in the first time. Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> what a blessing. That, yeah, that's great.
0: Cool. Well, we'll have to have you come back on Seattle. maybe kind kind of give updates as you progress through medical school because I'd love to hear from your perspective how it's going. You know, both the good and the bad. Yeah. So I know it's a it's it's get you know it's a lot of hard work, but it sounds like you know, you've or, you've already done so much to get this point. So I'm just really excited for the next few years for you. Thanks.
1: Thank you.
0: Thanks for listening to Talking Admissions and Med Student Life with Dr. Benjamin Chan, the ultimate resource to help you on your journey to and through medical school. A production of the Scope Health Sciences Radio, online at thescoperadio.com.